The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And then he said to them, whose head is on this and whose title? And they answered, the emperor's. Then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Have you ever set a trap for someone? In one of the last scenes of the second Harry Potter movie, Harry confronts the villainous Lucius Malfoy, returning a troublesome diary to him. Angrily, Lucius thrusts the book at his house elf, Dobby. But when Dobby opens the book, he discovers a sock. If you don't know, giving a house elf a piece of clothing is how a master frees the house elf. So unwittingly, Lucius had freed Dobby. When he realizes he was tricked, Lucius sputters and spits at Harry, but he cannot change what has happened. Harry has defeated him. In today's gospel, the Pharisees set a trap for Jesus. And spoiler alert, it backfires. There's an ancient proverb that says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And the Pharisees, who were the Jewish leaders and teachers, team up with the Herodians, who supported the political appointees who governed the region and were dependent upon Roman favor. The trick question they ask Jesus is, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Earlier in Matthew 17, the collectors of the temple tax asked Peter if Jesus paid that tax. Prior to the destruction of the temple in 70 CE, the temple tax was a sign of solidarity between the Jews in Israel and those still in the diaspora. And it supported the sanctuary in Jerusalem. 
After the temple's destruction, the Romans continued to levy the tax to keep up the Jupiter Capitolinus Temple in Rome. Peter answered that Jesus did pay the temple tax, and Jesus instructed Peter to pay the tax for them both, to avoid giving offense. Ironically, in today's gospel, the Pharisees and Herodians begin with their false praise of Jesus, including stating that he does not show deference or partiality to others. They say he is not swayed by the opinions of others. The truth is, he isn't swayed by superficial arguments or illegitimate leaders. But throughout scripture, Jesus is moved by the suffering he sees and has compassion upon the crowds that he meets. Today, his opponents are asking about the census tax. That was a direct poll tax or head tax that was levied by the Romans on all the adults under their rule. To call the census tax unlawful wouldn't merely give offense. It would be a public and dangerous repudiation of Roman authority. And yet to call it lawful without qualification would appear to endorse the Roman occupiers. But Jesus evades their trap. He asks them to show, the, to show him the coin used for the tax. When they produce the Roman coin imprinted with the image of Tiberius Caesar on it, and inscribed with the title, Tiberius Caesar, August Son of the Divine High Priest, Jesus simply asks them whose head and title are on the coin. And then he delivers the familiar one-liner, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Not only does Jesus evade the trap they've set with their question, but he also exposes them and the nature of their hearts. Too often when we hear this parable, our attention turns toward the role of government and taxes or even separation of church and state. But the question that matters here isn't about civics or money or taxes. The question that matters is who is the Lord and ruler of our lives? When we proclaim that God is sovereign, then everything belongs first to God. There is nothing to reserve or keep from God. In his book, Giving to God, Lutheran pastor and teacher Mark Allen Powell begins by telling a story about the baptism of the Gauls. He's careful to say that while the story may not be historical fact, it is nonetheless true. The Gauls were an ancient people 
who lived in what is now France and Belgium. And by the time of the Christian era, they had been conquered by the Roman Empire and were supposedly under Roman control. As Christian missionaries arrived in the region, many of the Gauls became Christians. And as the story goes, when a converted Gaul warrior was baptized in a river or stream, he would hold one arm high up into the air as the missionary dunked him into the water. This seemed peculiar to the missionaries, but they soon learned the reason for it. When the next battle broke out, the Gaul would proclaim, this arm is not baptized. Grab his weapon and ride off to brutally destroy his enemy. Even as he acknowledges the story is more likely myth than history, Powell tells the story because it gives us the compelling image of someone trying to keep part of their body, one aspect of their identity, free from the influence of baptism. Baptism delivers us from the forces of evil, puts our sinful selves to death, gives us new birth, and makes us one with Christ and the whole people of God. When I hear Jesus say, give to God what is God's, I am reminded of, the, of Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. God, our creator, our life giver, and our sustainer, knows us inside and out and loves us and delivers us wholly and completely. Following Jesus, being a disciple, means surrendering ourselves without qualification to God. As Luther writes in his catechism regarding the first commandment, we are to fear, love, and trust God above all things. We can no more hide, reserve, or withhold a part of ourselves from God, our lives, our thoughts, words, or deeds, then we can live with a gangrenous limb. And if we think we are succeeding at separating out what is ours and what is theirs and what is God's, 
We are allowing the powers and principalities of this world to trap us in a reality that does not reflect God's abundant kingdom. And we are deceiving ourselves, not God. Let us pray. Holy and life-giving God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, that we can know your abundant love for us. Show us how to fear, love, and trust you above all things. Following Jesus, may we withhold nothing. Show compassion for those who suffer and not be swayed by false teachers. By the power of your Holy Spirit, deliver us from division. We pray in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus the Christ. Amen.